0: My name is Julie Barola-Mills, and
1: I'm Joe Lopez, and I'm formerly uh, the publisher of Loud Magazine, and currently um, I'm doing the podcast here with Rock On uh, for Modern Times Magazine.
0: And I actually am a uh, former retail clerk with Tower Records, if everybody remembers that. In addition, I've also been doing uh, freelance photojournalism for the last seven, or actually nine years. Um, going all over the world and covering various concerts, um, but we're here today, Joe, to um, as a dedication to the late great Ronnie James Dio. Um, for those who don't know who Ronnie was, um, he had passed away um, six years ago on May sixteenth, twenty ten.
1: And we felt a terrible loss, you know, especially here, you know, in the heavy metal community. <clears throat> I know that. Um, the minute I found out, you know, about Ronnie's passing, uh the first thing I did was, you know, call some, you know, close friends of mine like you, and we were just pretty much floored And it. It really affected us um, you know, as a community uh within heavy metal uh because he was very well uh, loved and uh, respected and, you know, uh, probably one of the most down-to-earth nicest people that you could ever meet um anywhere. And um, you know, the been things said about him, but I I know that you had mentioned that there was some really kind words uh, regarding Ronnie and Rolling Stone.
0: Yeah, and uh, from his uh, Wikipedia uh, link, um, Rolling Stone magazine had eulogized Dio with these words. It wasn't just his mighty pipes that made him Ronnie James Dio. It was his moral fervor. What always stood out was Dio's raging compassion for the lost rock and roll children in his audience. Devo never pretended to be one of the kids. He's saying that as an adult, assuring us that we weren't alone in our suffering, and someday we might be even proud of conquering it. And I remember when you called me about uh, Ronnie's death, um, Joe, and I was in New York at the time. I was visiting a friend, and um, you called me later at night, and I remember that conversation so distinctly because I actually cried it was the first time I ever cried for a musician such as him. And I only had met him once uh, when he was on one of his tours. I think I believe it was the Sacred Heart Tour in uh, Phoenix, Arizona. And it was one of those things we talked about some of his older bands, and particularly the one that um, is one of my favorites, which is Rainbow. Correct. And that gets me to the um, subject of how did you first get into Ronnie's music?
1: Well, you know, it was... Um... It was strange how that came about, actually. Well, not so strange, but, you know, as a teenager, I was a huge, huge Richie Blackmore fan, especially a fan of the Mark III um, Deep Purple. And um, when Ritchie took off from being in the, in the band, you know, he formed Rainbow, and I remember when Rising came out, I got it um, just because I knew it had Ritchie on it and I wanted to, you know, hear it. But when I heard Ronnie's voice, I was just floored. You know, there was no... I mean, it was so distinct, so strong, you know, and I said, this is, you know, this is a great, awesome voice, you know, and uh, I continued, you know, my love for everything that he wrote and everything that, you know, he appeared on, um, you know, right up until he was with, uh, with Sabbath and then, of course, you know, when he took on doing a deal on his own.
0: Now, did you uh, collect any of the other previous things? Obviously, you said you got Rising. Did you get the first album, Richie Blackmore's Rainbow? Oh, yeah. And did you also get, you know, even listen to any of the stuff he did with uh, Roddy Dio and the Prophets?
1: You know, I didn't go back as far as the Prophets, but I did go back and get the Elf material. Okay. You know, and I, you know, of course it was a lot different. You know, the Elf material was, you know, much different than what he had done with Rainbow, but there was still some stuff that I liked and still a couple of things that I saw that could peek out, uh, peek out in some of the rainbow stuff he was writing, so it was kind of cool to see that type of thing going on too.
0: Well, and what was interesting about, um, and after he had passed away, uh, we actually had a discussion that when the memorial came about that uh, we were going to attend. So we, we drove over to, um, from our, our homes in Phoenix uh, to Los Angeles to make it to the um, the memorial service. And if you can, Joe, give me a little bit of a, a recount of what what it was like or the atmosphere was like at uh, at that particular um, memorial sem- ceremony on uh, May 30th, 2010.
1: Well, you know, it it was funny because when I did speak to you, you know, ap- um, after you had passed, you know, it was almost like a no-brainer that we were going to come out to, you know, to the, uh, to the services, to the memorial, and uh, spend that, you know, that time there, and, um, you know, thank God, you know, fortunately for us, you know, me and you were, be- were able to uh, secure uh, seats within the venue, you know, uh, for the uh, memorial, and, you know, it just seemed like such a gathering of, you know, of the tribes, basically, mm-hmm. you know, there were, you know, just thousands of people coming, and, you know, there were people from all over the United States, like, you know, I was talking to people, where are you from, you know, Texas, where are you from, you know, uh, Washington, you know, there were people that were coming together for that memorial, you know, and, you know, it's just a, you know, great feeling of love for the man and, you know, being able to see, you know, it was an honor to, you know, to be able to be there in the same room when, you know, Wendy Dio was speaking, his son was speaking. And you know to see the massive amounts of talent you know with Glenn Hughes on the stage with with uh, Jeff Tate singing um, you know it was just you know fantastic you know the murals you know I talked to Eddie Trunk for a few moments too while we were there and I hadn't seen him for what over 10 years sure. 15 years and stuff and it was you know just to see everybody there Ada DePriest uh, from London was there as well you know uh, who I you know known forever and it was just great to see us all coming together you know to celebrate his life right right
0: and it was interesting you mentioned Eddie Trump because we're kind of transitioning into kind of why we came here in the first place is that uh, um, in essence this podcast is also going before a couple of days before the uh, second annual uh, Bowling for Ronnie um, that's going to be held in Los Angeles at the Pien's, uh Bowling Alley there in Studio City and um, Eddie Trunk was the one who hosted um, the memorial service that they had uh, last year, which was uh, May 15th, 16th, and 17th. But the, the bowling event, the first annual bowling event, was uh, on the 15th. And, of course, I was there. I was taking pictures for a um, another publication um, on the red carpet. And we, you know, I, I'm not exactly sure how much money we raised, but... Um, here again that we are now, um, again, speaking before the, uh, the second annual uh, uh, Bowling for Ronnie, and unfortunately because due to our schedules, we're unable to go, um, so, and one of the, the really good things about that particular one um, was the fact that um, Jack Black and uh, Kyle Gass from Tenacious D um, were kind enough to um, make their appearance. And uh, it was. <laughs> Those it was, guys are nuts. It, it was. It was absolutely amazing. And, and I, t- I spoke to Jack Black for all of, like, maybe 30 seconds, and he was definitely just Jack. Um, it, uh, But um, previously, what he had done, um, he had won a Grammy Award um, for doing the song, which is, um, you know, from Ronnie's um album, his solo album, from The Last in Mine, and so they won a, they won a Grammy um, um, in, in 2015, and it was, kind of, and he says, um, I, I see in an interview that, um, that Jack did, he said that the first person he called was Wendy Deal, which is the, uh, the wife and uh, manager of, uh, of Ronnie, and so uh, it, was, it was really quite interesting, a, a very good year, good for, year, year for Ronnie overall. Um, unfortunately, after that particular, um, after they did the, um, uh, the bowling, uh, the first annual bowling event, we had the memorial, and then we had a, uh, a ride for Ronnie, uh, which um, actually they just completed um, this last uh, June, and in which they um, raised uh, $50,000 for the Ronnie James Dio Stand-Up and Shout Concert Fund. And um, with that, it was a it was a really um, that the first annual one that I went to was an amazing event with uh, you know the bands which included the Dio Disciples, right. uh, which are consist of many members from uh, Ronnie's um, you know years. Right.
1: Yeah, it's it's mostly a band that you know he had prior to his passing. You know, it was the latest, pretty much the latest edition. Exactly,
0: and then we had the likes of uh, Lita Ford. Um, we also had, in um, playing in her band, was uh, Sean McNabb, um, who uh, a, a lot of people know as... Well, oh, so uh, has
1: been in a lot of bands. A, a lot of bands, but he's <laughs> also
0: made his appearance, he's an actor as well, on the Son of Anarchy uh, oh. television show. Exactly. Um, um, the other person that was I was totally surprised about was uh, Eddie Money. Being in Leathers, I could not believe it, <laughs> with his kids, oh my and God. he's singing his hits, but he's rocking for Ronnie, so... <laughs> Um, but the person who did all of the organization for that, which was um, Dean Chattel, um, he passed away the following day of a heart attack um, at the um, at the age of forty nine. Wow. And um, you know, I was one who touched base with him um, thanks to a, a a mutual Facebook friend, and, and actually of a, a, who a, whose sister had grown up with uh, with Dean, and um, but we were all. Big rainbow fans, and so when Dean passed away, and Dean,
1: I, I remember you talked to him Yeah, well, exactly,
0: and and Dean was the one who this was right
1: after it was the day after it was exactly crazy. it was that
0: was that was on May eighteenth. <clears throat> it was like the morning of May eighteenth, and, and interesting enough, I had sent Dean a um, an email, a private message on his Facebook page because I had taken some pictures of him and his son, um, you know, just kind of a candid uh, a candid shot, which now his wife is. Beautiful wife Teresa, who is managing uh, Doctors of the Earth, I believe, uh, there in Los Angeles. She has, um, she has the picture at, at her home, um, and it was a three, three shot thing that I had taken. But what had happened with Dean? Dean was the one who got us into the memorial in oh, the I first just, place. Yeah, that's right. That's yes, right. Yeah. he was. He was what I was calling. Um, I used to call the gatekeeper, because <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, well, it's because he, you know, he was, he headed NINJI Productions, which was part of, uh, you know, the, right. the, the, the organization that um, uh, came up with the Ronnie James Dio Stand Up and Shout Cancer Fund, um, the nonprofit, and it was uh, the one that was going to be releasing other material and finding acts that were going to be able to preserve the legacy of, of awesome. Ronnie. Exactly. Mm -hmm. But interesting enough, Joe, you know, getting back, you know, now we've always talked about the bowling, we've talked about um, the ride for Ronnie, but do you, did you see the hologram performance?
1: I knew you were going to say that. Really? Okay.
0: (laughs) All right. No. Tell um, me. Oh my gosh. I
1: wish I would have been at Vakin to see the looks and the crowd go insane because when that happened, there must have been... Total mayhem breaking out.
0: Absolutely. And for those who don't know what we're talking about, is Wachen is a a worldwide festival that's held in Germany. And um, it is, I mean, thousands upon thousands of people are there. And uh, it just so happened that at the close of the Dio Disciples um, show, they were, you know, they usually do their encore. And all of a sudden, this hologram of Ronnie James Dio. Shows up, and I again, like you said, you're you're not sure if people were stunned, if they were just excited. You just and he's singing the song "We Rock," and I remember seeing that YouTube video and just and in I was shocked.
1: I was like going, "Wow, this is something." It's like, you know, if only Ronnie could go out on the road again. You know what I'm saying? And and that's funny because that's exactly what seems to be happening. Uh, you know, according to Craig Goldie, I guess. They're going to be taking the hologram out on the road with them, and you know I'm ho- I'm hoping that it's more than just one tune. But it's really interesting how the the technology has, has come far enough to where they can do something like that. I mean, the hologram was was incredible. I mean, I, I only got to see the uh, the YouTube footage, but um, it was it just seems fantastic that they can do something like that to keep his uh, you know d- to keep his legacy alive.
0: Right, and, and what's interesting enough is the company that put it together, which was a company called Eye Illusion. It's spelled E-Y-E-L-L-U-S-I-O-N. Um, they, it's, it says here in their, um, uh, in their uh, bio, it says, they're creating the best hologram content and live music productions for a completely new concert experience, says Jeff Pizzuzzi, CEO of Eye Illusion. We're taking every step to capture the excitement and energy that comes from seeing your favorite band perform live. That means when the lights go down in the venue, the amps are loud, the band sounds great, and the pyro is blinding. We are creating an entirely new way for fans to experience their favorite music. Which comes to the question, Joe, as exciting as this was, and hopefully we'll definitely see some dates with the Dio Disciples next year. I guess I wanted to, and I wanted to ask a recording artist that I had um, interviewed earlier this, this year and stuff, what do you think, with our classic artists, obviously they're getting older, yep. and some of them are dying at a kind of really a, a, a exponential rate, so to speak. It seems, you know, one's dying of a heart attack or cancer or the other thing. Do you think that would be kind of the future of music? Where I mean, we're seeing it, it's, it, it,
1: it is getting a bit to to that point where I think certain artists that are aging are uh, you know looking to um, keep their legacy alive. Um, I know just recently, this was um, this past week, I read that ABBA had signed a deal um, with a big company where it's almost in in a sense kind of like a record deal, basically to keep control of the imagery and to be able to make um, you know something that's from their heyday so to speak, you know, and um, I think that's what they call it, it a
0: virtual experience. Yeah, a virtual like experience, that. Is that right. What it
1: was? And you know, so there's some really cool things that are in the you know that are in the making because there's a lot of people, you know, who maybe never got a chance to see their favorite band. Right. Or um, because of some unfortunate accident you know, um, or unfortunate death, um, you know, that can occur, you know, they never got to see one of their favorite artists, you know, you can almost imagine, you know, if if we could do something, you know, with, say, a Hendrix uh, thing, where, wow. you know, we, we you know, I I was too young, I, I never got to see something like uh, Jimi Hendrix, you know, play and stuff, and you think, wow, you know, in the future, these generations might have that opportunity uh, to see, you know, certain musicians and uh, and so forth. That's that's kind of exciting.
0: Well, it's interesting too because some of this technology has already been tried in a sense where they've done in in other genres. Um, uh, Natalie Cole was very famous in doing that with um, her father, mm-hmm. uh, Nat King Cole. And then you have uh, other artists like Tony Bennett, who has you know maybe explored and working with other uh, artists that may have been alive or dead, and so on and so forth. And they just they you know, and then of course their popularity just starts to you know rise. Um, but I guess my thing in getting back with Ronnie is this whole thing with the, um, you know, w- with his legacy. And he was a very, very special, special artist. I, I, you know, there's, I, believe me, I love a lot of music and a lot of artists. We've, we were talking about Glenn Hughes. I'm, I'm a huge Jolan Turner fan. Um, yeah, know. you know and and so we have these these monster people with with these wonderful voices, and they just you know you don 't want them to go away, but somehow there 's going to be some some point in time when they just have to you know just hang it up i mean and you 're just going, "Wow, do we just kind of su- you know substitute them?" for whatever period it is or maybe they choose that period and then go and then go tour and then we could say oh well hey you know I you know hey we could go and see X artist and this artist it's kind of interesting I don't know I mean is it is it the only
1: one that will be still playing every night being Gillen he'll still be going you think (laughs) (laughs) that guy he does not he the guy doesn't stop you know and not take this into the deep purple direction, but I remember John Lord uh, telling me uh, during an interview, he said, "He said, oh Ian, bless his soul, he thinks he can go on forever, and I remember that quote, and this is like from, oh my gosh, this had to have been 10, 15, no, this had to have been almost over 10 years ago wow. that I had that interview with John Lord, and there's Ian Gillen talking about, you know, when they're done with the tour, he's setting up solo dates to do oh, solo fine. material and stuff, rather he goes. Well, it was either that or go on holiday. Yeah, well, you know, and I'm like, oh, okay, that yeah. makes sense. Right. You know, and then the well, you know, of course the the um, all the Gillan records have been re released, you know, on vinyl. So that kind of gives a little bit of fuel to the fire to what he wants to do, you know, on his little solo uh, dates that he has. So it does, and
0: and also too, in 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 talking about Deep Purple, they're coming out with their twentieth album. Um, and sometime in 2017, um, Roger Glover had just had a, there was a recent
1: interview. Yeah, they say, uh, yeah, uh, Ian was saying that his parts are entirely done and he, he was joking that, you know, Bob Ezra, well, you know, he's a legend. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, uh, his roster, Kiss, I mean, Alice Cooper, I mean, the things that he's done and they haven't been able to listen to it because he, uh, Ian says, once my part's done, we don't get to hear it till Bob has the finished product. Right. And then when Bob has the finished product done, then we go ahead and get get a peek of what it sounds like.
0: Right, exactly. But but
1: he's been asking him, and he hasn't heard it yet, but he says, my bits are done.
0: Well, and and so now we um, actually probably switch gears a little bit, Mm -hmm. if we can, Joe. We have a couple of groups. We've actually already mentioned the Dio Disciples, but we also have another group out there that is doing the music of Dio, but these guys also were the ones that created it and actually were the ones that started it. I mean Dio had um, as a solo artist he had 10 albums um, his last one being recorded in 2004 um, but this group called the last in line yes which represents a the huge fan
1: I'm a huge fan of theirs
0: sure and t- if you can tell me about them
1: well you know the the last in line you know the, the thing that's unique to them is that it, it when when they were formed they were the entire classic lineup. We're talking including Claude Schnell. We're talking including the legendary bassist Jimmy Bain, um, along with, you know, Andrew Freeman on vocals. And, <clears throat> you know, it, they now put out a record, and the record sounds, you know, almost basically like, you know, a continuation of the Dio legacy and Rainbow. And the music is great. I mean, I, I love the album, and, you know, I love everything... That they do. Now unfortunately, you know, as we all know, Jimmy Bain uh, passed away and early um, this
0: year. I was it, it was earlier this year or was it uh, was it last year? I couldn't re- I couldn't remember. I think it was last year. No, yeah, it was last year and stuff. But and it was cancer that, that we heard. I mean the the C word and I, it's just it's just incredible. It's, it's a
1: horrible word. And uh, you know, when it was, you know, a loss, you know, but they went ahead and, you know, picked up the pieces and got a new bass player. Um Phil Susan. Right, which is he's no slouch, that no. guy is great. Ozzy
0: Osbourne, <laughs> he did big noise with uh with Joel and Turner. I mean, there was just some, some amazing, amazing stuff,
1: so yeah. So, I mean, they're currently you know, and that's a good thing we're talking about that this week. You know, they're currently out on tour right now, sure. And um, although they won't be hitting the Phoenix area, they will be in Las Vegas and you know, in California and so forth. So, you know, if you guys get a chance to get out there and, and catch them, you know, they're incredible musicians. I mean, Vivian Campbell, you know, I mean, what an awesome guitar player he is. And, you know, you it's very true to the um, the spirit of what the Dio band was during the first three records. And that's what they're out there playing. They're not, they're playing that and along with the new material. They're not out there, um, you know, pillaging, you know, the stuff that was done maybe later on. Right. Um,
0: and, neither, and neither are the Dio disciples, because when you have somebody like You know Tim Ripper Owens, and you have Ani Logan on vocals, and even um, I think it was uh, Joe Retta I believe that. Yeah, yeah, and he's actually now with Heaven and Earth, um, the Heaven and Earth band and stuff. I mean, you've got some amazing vocalists that can come in and just do a song and do a Stargazer or do you know um, We Rock or whatever. I mean, whatever whatever deal put as far as his stamp, they're able to do it. They're not deal. But they're able to do it right now, which gets me back to another vocalist, and I wasn't really going to bring this up, but but the fact of the fact the fact of the matter that we are fans is that of rainbow and the quote unquote reunion that was held in uh, Germany and in um in uh, in England in Birmingham in mm. June, yeah, which were the the promoted. Rainbow reunion um, um, albums, or, you know, or excuse me, uh, concerts, and uh, they were held on June seventeenth, eighteenth, and the twenty fifth. New singer, Ronnie Romero from Chile, Lords of the Black. Okay.
1: Chile, the country very dear to my heart. Okay. I've been there so many times. yeah. I've been you? there so many times, and it's funny, but yeah, he, but he's he.
0: Tell me, like, tell me about your impressions of of uh, of Ronnie Romero.
1: You know, I, I do have to admit, I, I do like his voice. Okay. And I do like I do like Lords of Black. Um, having said that, I don't really think it's his vocal ability that really comes uh, into play in my preference for what I would have wanted for the Rainbow Reunion. Um, you know, a reunion is exactly what that the word means. By, the reunion. De- by definition. By definition. By definition. And, and, a, yeah. and as Joe in. As Joe and uh, Turner had pointed out, he said it's not a re- <laughs> it's not a reunion if a record hasn't even been made with that band. Exactly. Because basically, you know, I love Richie Blackmore. I love his playing. You know, I'm honored to know that he's back doing his thing again. Um, with I think Ram- Night. With Night. Now, right. if if he would have put out a proper album with Ronnie Romero, saying you know Richie Blackmore's new you know Rainbow, you know, then there would be some kind of. Um, Substance to him singing all the songs, right? But you know, without Ronnie being here, I would have thought it would have been Joe Lynn Turner who they would have
0: definitely Absolutely. entered Absolutely. back into the fold. Or the way the way Joe Lynn Turner had presented it, and it was actually an excellent idea, is to bring in the other singers. I mean, you had you had people like Graham Bonnet. Wanting to do it, you had, uh, of course, they had Glenn Hughes. If you were going to be doing Deep Purple stuff, I mean, because obviously they said it as a Rainbow reunion, but they did do Deep Purple songs. So you would you would bring in, uh, you know, Coverdale, and you would bring in Hughes. You sure. would bring in Graham Bonnet. You were bringing in Doogie White, and that was what was missing. Well, you could have brought shows. in
1: the, you could have brought in Do, you could have brought in, to do the Rainbow reunion, you could have brought in Doogie Graham and Joel, and, and I mean, and had kind of like a celebration of the music of rainbow in a proper sense exactly you know and that just I mean there was an opportunity that was missed with all that and you know and the funny thing was is Richie really didn't have you know much interest in even coming back to rock but him and Joe had you know befriended each other a bit and were talking back and forth and they thought about doing it, and then all of a sudden, Joe was left out of the quotient. Yeah, he was. I felt. And it was like, and I kind of said, well, you know, so, no disrespect to Ronnie um, you know uh, Romero, but, you know, and I do like his voice, and I can see why they got him to do the Dio songs. Right. But he's not going to do A Stone Cold or A Street of Dreams oh my God. to save his life.
0: Well, and, and he tried he even Spotlight like Kid, and it was uh, adequate at best. And he wouldn't, and they, they didn't do any of the stuff from Stranger in Assault. So I'm going, uh, we're missing an element here. And even Doogie White was at the, um, and uh, through friends of mine, he was sitting next to friends of mine over there at the Birmingham show. So I'm going, and you know, so he went, he was interested. And I just definitely think that um, all the press um, or all the negative press that was given to Joe Turner was absolutely unfair. And it was, um, it just was absolutely unwarranted because the people who took care of that was the management. And when you went over there to see these shows, they were minimal at best with a a, a lighted rainbow and it looked like a Black Forest night show. So you're like going, okay, um, we're here to hear rock. And we granted, um, Richie is 71 years old now. But the fact of the matter is, is that when you say a proper reunion, you need to have, I mean, Joel and Turner had mentioned bringing in Bob Daisley. So you would have had the rising part. You would have had from, from, uh, from rising long to the rock and roll mm-hmm. era. Um, he would have brought in, of course, uh, maybe Paul Morris on, on keyboards. And, um, and then, of course, on drums, you had, you had your fill of Bobby Rodinelli, Chuck Bergie. You had John sure. uh, John the Shelly. Uh, you had um, you know so you had or John O'Reilly excuse me, but you had all of your pickings of different people. All you had was your main guy, which is Richie, and they've worked with him before. It was a three and a three show thing. I, saw, I mean, really, yeah, and I was it's like... just and, and and his management just absolutely dropped the ball. And to to this day, it has been it's it's a disservice. Now, granted, they are putting out a DVD. On uh, November eighteenth, and um, I did purchase it, but it's because of my love for Rainbow. Right. And and it's just me. See, not not to criticize or anything, but <clears throat> as a whole.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and what strange, what strange is that I've seen so many YouTube videos of all three of these dates, and the night that uh, that Blackmore played the best on was the Birmingham night, the third night. Right. And in various inter- uh, in several of the interviews he's done since, he's like, yeah, I said, I finally, you know, got a bit of spark that last, you know, evening, you know, because the first two, you're just kind of like out there, you know, he hadn't done rock for, you know, so long in front of so many people. Right. And uh, those, those are being shoved to release, and I'm kind of like going, well, I know from looking at, you know, the video on YouTube that is playing and him being into it much more during the Birmingham show than the first two, but yet... The DVD is of the first two shows, so I'm kind of like very. I'm just you know very curious to see what they came out with.
0: Well, and and I'll uh, let you borrow my CD as soon as we (laughs) as soon as as we have, because I'll have a DVD at the same at the same time. So, but I guess getting back to that whole thing, um, I did want to point out, and I know we spoke about this, you know, off um, off air yesterday. You had mentioned to me that there's been a bit of a backlash since the the fact of these some of these rainbow shows and like you said the quality that you saw on the on the youtube that um actually favor what joel and turner had as far as his idea as an actual reunion and tell me tell me about that if you can
1: well you know i you know i belong to quite a few different you know uh things on social media and i had seen quite a few people you know talking about you know the you know the latest dates with richie and so forth and just an overwhelming amount of people, nobody saying, oh, well, Joe's doesn't have it anymore, Joe's, you know, a uh, little older now, you know, nothing negative. It's all been positive where people say Joe should have been the guy, mm-hmm. Joe should have been on the tour. And then an overwhelming view of how great his his pipes still are.
0: He's sixty-five, and
1: he's out there. And yeah, okay. I hate you know. I hate to say it, but when at least when I go to this, you know, when I've uh, seen him, you know, he's still very energetic. Whereas you know, um, Ronnie was Ronnie Romero was just kind of, you know, not really one to go out there. I don't believe to get the crowd going and the backing band. It was almost just like I said, backing band. It wasn't. I didn't get that band feel from. The footage that I've seen, uh, you know, the bass player just kind of stands there in a pair of leggings and whatever. Well, and and I saw the drummer in a Depeche Mode shirt.
0: I'm like, And it's almost,
1: it it, it was weird because it was like, Like, and they were like so close to each other as if the stage didn't, you know, expand or, you know, something. And I was like, well, you know, I said, you know, I see no, it's not... uh, it's not as great as it could have been. It, Let's just yeah. put it that way. It right. could have been great. It was a great opportunity. There could have been, um, a lot of, uh, there could have been a lot of more, uh, things they could have done to make this thing. Now I know that Blackmore has talked about some additional dates. I've heard, of, what he I've wants. heard additional dates yeah, in, in he, England. Yes. Yeah. And he's going to take, um, he says people want to hear more rainbow material. So he's going to drop quite a bit of the deep purple material. And when that happens, I think, you know, um,
0: I think he should make amends with Joe and Turner, as far as I'm concerned. No, <laughs> so no, I'm what, not joking. So I, don't know what's I, I could not know happen. No, I, I know what's not going to happen. But it's just, it's ridiculous how in the press, things are going back and forth between two grown men, and they can, they are, because of manage, uh, well, one side of the management, what happens to be Blackmore's management, they cannot make appeasement, and they cannot be able to put that all together. Now, right. And so... Let's get back here, and and I know we could go all day on on speaking about this, but um, let's go back into Ronnie, Mm -hmm. Ronnie James Steele. We're now, like I said, six years after his passing, and he, you know, his bands, his legacy still continues to his day. Um, Just trying to figure out what else. Do you think we could actually expect? Um, I mean, we just talked about uh, the Dio disciples coming out, the lesson line.
1: Is currently on tour. Is currently on tour. <laughs>
0: yes, the bowl
1: the Bolathon is on November fifth. So the spirit. November fourth. November fourth. November fourth. I'm sorry, but it's like the spirit of Ronnie James Dio is. It seems like is still a living and breathing entity out here because you know, they, you know, we constantly have things you know that remind us of the music. That he did, and you know, and of his personality and kindness that he had uh, for people as well. That's you know, um, I really wish I could make it out to the Bolathon this year, but you know, hopefully I'll plan and I'll go, and I'll go next year. Yeah. You know, when I hear you know names like of people that I know that are, you know, mm-hmm. taking part in, them, and I'm just like, oh gosh, it'd be so great to go out there and touch base with those people again. You know, in, in LA, and you know, so definitely looking to, uh, to do something like that.
0: Exactly. Exactly. And so, um, well, it looks like, um, you know, we're at the end of our uh, podcast and we're uh, kind of wrapping it up here. But, Joe, it was uh, fantastic getting to talk to you. And, you know, being the fact that um, this is our first Rock On podcast, um, I hope we get to do more. I hope people were a little bit engaged or interested and obviously saw some of our, um, our likes and dislikes um, and could be <laughs> either agreed or disagreed. Um, but being the fact that um, we're both um, huge music um, uh, enthusiasts and aficionados and you working for loud magazine and having your magazine me doing the uh, freelance photojournalism as i have for the last nine nine or so years um i I just think maybe you know after this month if if everybody likes it i think we're going to continue this
1: oh definitely and you know i I do do some uh, writing here, also, you know, for Modern Times Magazine, you know, so I'm definitely, you know, entertaining a lot of that type thing too. You know, I'll be doing a feature here. I just want to give myself a plug here. Um, I'm going to be doing sure. a feature here on Flotsam and Jetsam. Uh, I got the, um, I got to go out and see them on their European tour. It was okay. just fantastic. Knowing these guys for over 20 years, I'll, I'll say that because I don't want to age myself, but just knowing these guys and being there from the very beginnings. And, you know, taking around full circles, seeing them on their European tour in London was just, a, you know, a fantastic opportunity. And the guys could have been uh, better, you know, to
0: go and see and uh, hang out with while I was there. But uh, I'll be reporting on that as well. Okay, fantastic. Well, we're going to be signing off. And uh, we hope you like what uh, we did and uh, hope to hear from you or hope to talk to you again. Take care. Bye.